Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us, a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein, and today is episode 80. It's titled, Investing Means Getting Lost. Back before I moved with my family to Idaho, we lived in Cincinnati. And Cincinnati at the time was a hub. The airport was a hub for Delta Airlines. And so the airfares were ridiculously high. So consequently, on occasion, I would park my car at the Cincinnati airport. I'd pick up a one-way rental car. I would drive about an hour and 15 minutes to the Lexington, Kentucky airport. Then I would get on a plane, take a flight back to Cincinnati, and then continue on to my final destination. On my return, I would just get off the plane in Cincinnati and drive home. Now, that itinerary would often save me $600 or more on my airline fare. The Lexington Airport is not, unlike most airports, at least that I've seen, it's not along a major interstate highway. It's west of the city along a somewhat rural route. And so when you drive to the first time, few times I went to the Lexington Airport, I drove south on Interstate 75, I got to Lexington, and then I started driving west. One time, though, I thought, this is sort of ridiculous. I'm going straight down and making a hard right to go out to the airport. Why don't I just take a shortcut through the Kentucky countryside? This was before the, the iPhone, before I didn't have built-in GPS in my car, and, so, and I didn't have a map. All I knew is I'd been to the airport. I kind of knew where it was, and so I left the highway, and I started driving through the beautiful landscape, rolling blue grass hills lined with white and black fences to keep in the thoroughbred horses. Now, those picturesque hills also meant there was a lot of confusing curves and turns in the road. The road would often dead end and have to decide, should I go right? Should I go left? After about 30 minutes of driving, it became pretty clear to me, I was lost. It was a cloudy day, so I couldn't get my bearings by following the sun. So I just kept driving, hoping I would eventually see the airport tower or at least hit a major highway because I was just out in the boonies driving around with all these curves. Another 30 minutes passed, and I still hadn't found the airport. And by this point, I was getting panicky because I was about to miss my flight. Finally, I found it. I saw the airport, I drove as fast as I can, I dropped off my rental car, I ran to the gate, and I missed my flight. It is the only time I've ever missed a flight because I got lost on the way to the airport. I felt very, very sheepish as I had to call my client with whom I had dinner plans that night and say, quote, my flight had been delayed. Now, even though I was lost, I wasn't completely lost. I knew I was in Kentucky, 
and I knew I was in the general vicinity of the airport, even though I didn't know exactly where I was. I started out very confident. I kind of knew the direction, but I was soon plagued with too many choices of roads to take and directions to drive. And when I'd come to an intersection, should I go left? Should I go right? Should I go straight? And it reminds me of the quote that Daniel Boone said, quote, I was never lost in the woods my whole life, though I was once confused for three days. That was me, not completely lost, just really, really confused. Having too many choices is one reason we get lost or confused. There was a recent article in the Guardian newspaper that talked about the paradox of choice. I'll link to the article in the show notes, but they reference a book that I've not read, but it's by Barry Schwartz, and it's called The Paradox of Choice. And he shares a really interesting study in which researchers set up displays of jam at a gourmet stores. So they had two displays of jam. The one display had 24 varieties of jam. The other had six, and then they would give out dollar-off coupons. They found that 30% of the people who visited the smaller jam display with only six jars of jam bought, but only 3% of those that were exposed to the display of 24 different varieties of jam were so overwhelmed by their choices that, I mean, the vast majority, 97% were overwhelmed, only 3% bought. Too much choice can also impact our investing. Schwartz mentions a study conducted by Vanguard, the mutual fund company, who found that for every 10 mutual funds an employer offered in a work-sponsored retirement plan, the employee participation rate dropped by two percentage points even though the employees were passing up matches as high as $5,000 per year. I see this all the time as I get emails from listeners. Whenever anyone signs up for the Insider's Guide, where I email out show notes weekly, and you can sign up for that, as I've mentioned numerous times on moneyfortherestofus.net, after they get their first installment of the Insider's Guide, I send them an email just to confirm they got it and ask them, what is their biggest investment and money challenge? And, and that kicks off a dialogue, and it gives me a really good sense of what listeners are struggling with. One of the most common answers is just feeling overwhelmed with the many different ways to go about investing. They, they, they just, it's almost like they're just traumatized, some listeners, in terms of what to do, in the sense that should they buy individual stocks, Should they invest in options? Should they buy precious metals such as gold and platinum? Should they outsource it to a robo-advisor or a traditional financial planner? Should they invest in index funds? Should they invest in active mutual funds or ETFs? We feel lost when we have too many choices because we're just uncertain which is the right choice. We want to choose an option that will best meet our needs and make us happiest. And when it comes to investing, we want the choice that has the greatest certainty of achieving our targeted rate of return and where there's minimal risk of losing money. Unfortunately, those days are over with because interest rates are so low in so many countries. It used to be you could get a safe 4% to 5% return, but now you can't. And so 
we're forced to take on more risk. There was an article that I'll often reference in the show notes. It was an interview in the Financial Times between Martin Wolf, the columnist and author, and Ben Bernanke, the former chairman of the Federal Reserve. It's a pretty fascinating article, but Bernanke shares a quote or something his two of his mentors always said. And one of those mentors was Larry Summers. The other mentor, his name I forget at the moment, but here's a quote. If you never miss a plane, you're spending too much time in airports. What Ber- and then Bernanke went on to interpret what he meant. Here's his quote. If you absolutely rule out any possibility of any kind of financial crisis, then you're probably reducing risk too much in terms of growth and innovation in the economy. From an investing perspective in today's climate, that airplane metaphor means if you rule out any possibility of loss in your investing, then you're probably reducing risk too much. And your portfolio will not even keep pace with inflation. That means your portfolio might seem safe, but it's actually losing money on a real or inflation-adjusted basis. In short, we have to embrace the uncertainty of being lost when it comes to investing, of not knowing what the investment outcome will be. Now, we can reduce that overwhelming feeling that uncertainty brings by doing what the academic researchers said, we, or what they did. We can keep the selection of jam small. In investing, that means focusing on assets and asset allocation. Instead of trying to pick individual stocks, options, or currencies, keep your investing approach simple by allocating among a variety of asset types using primarily low-cost index funds and ETFs. I get a lot of emails from individuals that, that want to screen for stocks, that want to try different strategies. And I'm not saying any of those are wrong. I'm just saying if you are feeling overwhelmed by the amount of choices, have a smaller selection of jam. Focus primarily on asset allocation and assets. Seek to understand what different assets are. Once you have a longer-term asset allocation, then perhaps you can make adjustments based on market conditions like I do. Now, There's something else that we can do, and this is something I'm continuing to to learn. One of the reasons that I felt so pressured when I was lost on my way to the Lexington, Kentucky airport is the time constraint. I knew I had a flight to catch, and I missed the flight. There's other times that I'm lost because I purposely chose to be lost. I used to have a client in Walla Walla, Washington, and this is in, I guess it would be the southeast corner of Washington, right near Idaho, and and it's an area of land called the Palouse, and the Palouse is somewhat very similar to those rolling hills of Kentucky, although these are rolling hills where they primarily grow wheat, and I remember on one occasion, I just wanted to drive up into the Palouse, and I'm doing all these curves. And I got hopelessly lost because by then, I, I had an iPhone, but I didn't have cell coverage. So I just didn't know where I was. But that time constraint often can make us feel overwhelming. And Michael, who's a listener in Switzerland, he's also a member of the Hub, talked about 
the the importance of the observation period when it comes to to the timing of our investment horizon. When we feel lost, sometimes it's because we're focusing too much on the short term. Here's this quote. My observation periods are far too short, and instead of watching a portfolio across a whole cycle of 7 to 12 years, our attention is kept by various daily news flows. In other words, we have a very short-term time horizon. One way to, come, to overcome that, that, that pressure, that feeling of overwhelm, being lost is to lengthen out our time horizon. And this is something that I am learning to do a better job at because I have always been more of what I would call an active asset allocator. I focus on asset allocation, but I'm willing to adjust that asset allocation based on valuations, based on economic trends, based on market internals, the level of momentum, the fear and greed. Now, I'm primarily buy and hold, but I still make changes. And after the crisis of 08, where I was mostly in cash, it took me a number of years following. Then I found myself way, way too active, right? I was making adjustments all the time because I was so, to an extent, traumatized what happened in 08. Having avoided it, I did get back into the market in 09, but then 2010, 2011, 2012, I was probably too more too too active than I should have been, and so this exercise on the hub where we've been putting together long term expectations for ten years for stocks for bonds for income oriented asset classes such as REITs such as convertible bonds MLPs has been a good exercise and will be as I roll out model portfolios this week on the hub to anchor to a longer observation period, as Michael talked about, and then only make adjustments when perhaps when the risks are greater or when the opportunity is the greatest. One of the things I've taught on this podcast is this idea of a fat pitch, where the opportunity is so large that you can get that double-digit type return. More and more, I'm realizing those fat pitches come with a great deal of fear. And it's never clear. I mean, it looks like a fat pitch, but there's always controversy and fear. And probably the biggest example of a fat pitch right now is Master Limited Partnerships, which are investments that invest in energy infrastructure. The highest expected return asset class that I know, yet it's also the asset class with significantly poor momentum, a great deal of fear and uncertainty, and that's just the nature of investing. Let me pause here to share some words from this week's sponsors. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard. 
where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. One of the things we have to realize when it comes to investing is we need to have doubt. Doubt is an important element to be a successful investor. You can't be overconfident. There's a book I'm reading right now called Super Forecasting, The Art of Science of Predicting, and it's by Philip E. Tetlock and Dan Gardner. And they mention a gentleman by the name of Galen, G-A-L-E-N. He was a second century physician to Roman emperors, and he was pretty prideful. He, but he was also sort of the leading medical authority. The, the authors of the book said he, Galen, was the indisputable source of medical authority for more than a thousand years. But here's what Galen said about himself. I, it is I and I alone who has revealed the true path of medicine. He also said, because he would have these cures, these suggestions for things that he was absolutely positive could cure people. He said, all who drink of this treatment recover in a short time, except those who it does not help who all die. It is obvious, therefore, that it fails only in the incurable cases. He was so confident that if, if, if somebody getting healed with his remedy and they died, it was because they were incurable. That's not how we should invest. We, we can't be so confident and so close-minded. And often we want to go find that person that seems like they absolutely know what's going to happen. They don't exist. And, and I've talked in, in early episodes about 
you know, how I don't like to predict the future. I like to invest on the leading edge of the present. But the reality is all investing has some element of prediction to it. Here's a quote from Tetlock and Gardner in their book. Unpredictability and predictability coexist uneasily in the intricately interlocking systems that make up our bodies, our societies, and cosmos. How predictable something is depends on what we are trying to predict, how far into the future, and under what circumstances. Setting an expectation for a given asset class, such as REITs, such as European stocks, is to some extent a a prediction. It's what I've, I've done on the hub. But if there's a systematic way to come up with those expectations, then such as earnings growth, such as current dividends yields, such as current valuations, then then that's systematic. But it's still a prediction with a range of potential returns and recognize there's an element of doubt. It might not end up that way, but it, we, have to, we have to invest somewhere and we have to at least have some assumption in terms of expected return so we know how much to save. But we can't be overconfident and we have to have an element of doubt. And there's one area where I've seen overconfidence recently. In my area where I live in Idaho, there's a college town and I was speaking to a realtor the other day where a lot, he's getting a, fielding a lot of calls from accountants around the country that want that want they have clients that want a, just a five percent guaranteed return something that they could, don't, don't want to invest in the stock market just give me a five percent return and the result they're buying apartment buildings and these near retirees are taking essentially all of their retirement funds and putting it in one building I've mentioned this a few episodes ago where I'm going to lend on one of those buildings. And, and they're going in so confident that this is, will be a low-risk, successful investment. And it probably will be, but it is not without risk. There are all kinds of things that could go wrong by having everything in one basket. What if, what if there's a lawsuit? What if the building catches on fire and it takes a year to get it up and running again? We are lost when we invest because we are uncertain. We don't know how things are going to turn out. We mitigate it as much as possible by keeping things simple, by being as diversified as possible, and not make our investing too complicated. There's a recent book that I finished. It's called A Field Guide to Getting Lost. It's by Rebecca Solnit. I love this book. Very, very good. She shares a quote by Edgar Allan Poe. Here it is. All experience in matters philosophical teaches us that in such discovery, it is the unforeseen upon which we must calculate most largely. Now, there's a paradox. The unforeseen is what we should calculate on most largely. And Solnit goes on to explain what does that mean? How do you calculate upon the unforeseen? It seems to be an art of recognizing the role of the unforeseen, of keeping your balance amid surprises, of collaborating with chance, of recognizing there are essential mysteries in the world that thereby limit a limit to calculation, to plan and to control. To calculate on the unforeseen is perhaps exactly 
the paradoxical operation that life most requires of us. In investing, we have to calculate on the unforeseen. And sometimes we need help in order to do that, either help in terms of helping us control our emotions. Sometimes we have to hire somebody that I've had listeners that just don't want anything to do with investing and go out and hire a financial advisor to do that. Most of us don't have that luxury because we can't afford to pay the 1% management fee. But there was a story that I really, really loved in this book by Rebecca Solnit. And it was a story that she heard, and she didn't, she didn't say who told it, but it was at, I think, the San Francisco Zen Center. And there was a man that gave a speech, and he talked about a man that they called the Turtle Man that would come to this Zen Center. And they called him the Turtle Man because he, he was a blind man, and he would come and sell in a, a tin these caramel-coated candies, which are sometimes called turtles. He had a white cane, and he would tap to the stairs and the door, and he would come in. And what was fascinating about it is one day this man that was telling the story went out, and he saw this turtle man on the corner, and just just standing on the corner, street corner saying, help, 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 calling out, waiting for somebody to come lead him across the street. And here's a quote from the man telling the story. So I thought, isn't that really amazing? What an amazing life. You walk along and you reach a barrier and you stop and you just call for help. You don't know who you are talking to. You don't know who's around, if anyone, and you wait. And then somebody turns up and they help you cross that barrier. And then you walk on knowing you're going to meet another barrier. And you're going to have to stop again and cry out, help, help, help. Not knowing if anyone's there. Not knowing who it will be that will turn up to help you cross the next barrier. We need to ask for help. One reason we need help is to get perspective. In that book, Super Predictors, the authors talk about how our brains work. And we have system one and system two. System one is the intuitive brain, the one that tends to jump to conclusions that it's the, the, the fright or flight, the part of our brain that just acts very, very quickly. System two is the one that steps back and is more rational and thinks about it. Now, one thing System 1 does, it's something what they call attribute substitution or bait and switch. Here's the quote. You know, you're walking along and you see a shadow in the long grass. And, you know, what is it? It's a hard question. Without more data, it may be unanswerable. So we substitute an easier question. Can I easily recall a lion attacking someone from the long grass? That question becomes a proxy for the original question. And if the answer is yes to the second question, then the answer is yes to the first question. We do the same thing with investing. The markets are volatile. They're falling down. And and our first thing we think of is 2008 when everything was falling apart and we think it's going to happen again right now because that's what our brain believes because that's what comes first to our mind. We have to rely on system two and help from others to get perspective. Back in the field guide to getting lost, the Zen master that was telling his story, he talked about the same thing. Here's his quote. You hear a sound and you think, that's a big truck going around the corner. 
It all happens in a half second. We see someone and make up a story about who they are, and sometimes we get ourselves into a lot of trouble with the stories we make up as we weave our world. And the practice of awareness, or what we would call mindfulness, doesn't say don't weave your world. That's what we are hardwired to do. That's system one. It's not volitional. Thing to think truck after hearing a sound. It's just, that's what pops into our mind. We jump to conclusions. Now, the Zen master talks about awareness. The practice of awareness says don't grasp on to that initial feeling too tightly. Don't be too convinced. And in that simpler way of being, it's okay to be like the turtle man. It's okay to sometimes experience not knowing what to do next, to run into a barrier. It's okay to realize that life has a mysterious quality to it. It has an element of uncertainty. It's okay to realize we do need help, that calling out for help is a very generous act because it allows us to be helped. Sometimes we're calling out for help, sometimes we're offering help, and then this hostile world becomes a very different place. In the Super Predictor books, they talk about a chess master, a chess grandmaster, Magnus Carlsen. And he said, talking about the system one, I usually know what I'm going to do after 10 seconds. The rest is double checking, just spending minutes, if not hours, thinking about what his intuition says. That makes us a better investor. We have our fears, we have our emotion, but by having investment mentors, virtual mentors, asking, getting help, getting other data, not jumping to conclusions, we can be more comfortable with the uncertainty that is just part of the investment world and part of our life in general. One of my virtual mentors is Seth Godin, who is a renowned marketer and author. And back in 2008, early 2008, it was summer 2008, he had a book that came out called Tribes, and he launched an online community. I joined the community, and there we had a number of discussions, and I I made some very, very good friends in, in that community that remain friends today. One of the things that Seth Godin says all the time, and and the most recent example was a blog post where he was talking about Steve Jobs and how Steve Jobs was always selling, and he would and Steve Jobs would come out onto the stage, and he would say essentially, "Here, I made this. It might be worth talking about." Inherent in this statement, Seth Godin says, is the flip side. It might not work. That phrase, those four words, it might not work, is probably the best definition of risk that I know. When we're doing anything with uncertainty, be it investing or projects that we're doing in life, it might not work. But it might. And in our job is to just keep trying and, to the extent possible, Limit the downside of it not working. Don't, don't go all in. Try things, but always be in a position that you can survive if it doesn't work. Don't put all of your money in one real estate project. It might not work. Let me quote or finish with a, a lovely quote by Rebecca Solnit. 
As you know, I like to go out and, and hike. I just did a recent backpacking trip with my son in Yellowstone. And one reason I like to go to Yellowstone is because you might see a bear. And it's that, that's just that idea that there is wildlife out there that could chomp my leg off. And I find that both exhilarating and fascinating and a little bit scary. And here's a quote by, by Solnit on that. What is the message that wild animals bring? The message that seems to say everything and nothing. What is the message that is wordless, that is nothing more or less than the animals themselves? That the world is wild, that life is unpredictable in its goodness and its danger, that the world is larger than your imagination. Investing means getting lost. Living means being lost, but that is what makes living such a delight. You can get show notes for this episode at moneyfortherestofus.net and there sign up for my insider's guide and I'll email those show notes to you. If you would like some help on your asset allocation and with your portfolio, you can get that at my premium membership site, moneyfortherestofushub.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education only. I've not provided investment advice, just general education. I hope you have a great week.